What's up, my friends? Great to be with you here on the Challenging Conversations podcast show brought to you by the Edify Podcast Network, powered by the Christian Post. I am your host, Jason Jimenez, and it is my prayer that this show will help you stand strong in your faith and equip you with the tools and skills needed to know what to say and how to say it when dealing with people of a different worldview than your own. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into a hotly debated topic when it comes to Jesus and Greek mythology. And there are a lot of people out there, atheists, skeptics, and even people who profess to be a Christian at one point in time, perhaps you know a few of these people, and they've deconverted. And they will say that Jesus Christ, the figure that Christians worship as the Son of God, is nothing but a borrowed or plagiarized divine figure. Pretty much what they're saying is, if you look at Christianity, Christianity in essence is a copycat religion. That's what we're going to be talking about today, how you, my friends, can have a challenging conversation with someone who believes that Christianity is a copycat religion. Now, this is coinciding with the previous podcast. So if you've missed that, make sure you check that out, download it. And if and when you do that, please leave us a review. But what we talked about in the previous podcast was, is belief in Jesus the same as believing in Santa Claus? And so what we're going to be talking about today kind of feeds off of that one because the, the, the implication from the atheist standpoint or the skeptic is that Santa Claus, as we know, is a fictitious character. They're saying, and Jesus is a fictitious character. Therefore, it's fairy tale. It's make-believe. And again, remember, tricks are for kids. Make-believe stories. Fairy tale stories are for children. They're pure entertainment. They're not true. They're not, they have no historical facts whatsoever that builds any sort of credibility. And so a lot of people who believe that belief in Jesus is like believing in Santa Claus hold to what I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. So that was kind of how to deal with those type of, of you know, uh, arguments that people use about, well, you religious people, you just, you just live by faith. You don't live by reason. Now today we're going to go a little deeper. All right. We're going to go a little deeper and we're going to start exposing where these people supposedly allegedly get their facts from. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to right off the bat, introduce to you guys two books. Okay. So if you're an avid reader, if you want to go deeper into this stuff beyond this podcast, help yourself. Okay. Here's the first book. And the authors are Tim Frack and Peter Gandy. The first book is the Jesus mysteries. Was the original Jesus, a pagan God It came out in 1999. And then a few years later, they wrote a book called the laughing Jesus in 2005. And in essence, these books, you guys talk about Christianity being a copycat religion. Now, I, it's important to point out that the copycat Christianity movement, right, led by many atheists, was largely debunked by the mid 20th century. All right. However, because of people like Frack and Gandhi, and if you've ever watched that video that was doing its rounds on YouTube well over 10 plus years ago now called Zeitgeist, uh, you know, they were, they were saying that Jesus was a figure that the writers in the gospels in the, in the early church era just 
plagiarized, just stole stories from the Egyptians, from the Greeks and the Romans, from paganistic cultures. And they, through that, made Jesus into this God-like figure. So even though a lot of the stuff you guys has been debunked, there's still a resurgence that's coming. And so as we are, as I'm recording this in, you know, entering the Christmas season, chances are you might have a family member or friend who will use these arguments and say to you, well, you know, Jason, don't you know that Christianity is a copycat religion, that all the things that you guys, you know, celebrate or that you believe in Christian tradition, like December 25th, Jesus was born, which by the way, I don't. You go on my YouTube channel. I mean, you you look back, you can punch in the search engine videos about Jesus Christ. I debunk that. We don't believe Jesus was born on December 25th. He was born in the springtime in the Middle East. Um, but they'll say, you know, facts like that about his virgin birth and about the miracles and dying on the cross and rising from the dead. All that stuff has been taught and illustrated thousands of years prior to Jesus. Don't you know that? Basically saying, you believe in a fictitious character. So I want to help you guys in today's podcast respond to those. The second book now, as I mentioned, The Laughing Jesus, goes a little bit deeper. And one of the figures that we see in, you know, that kind of really uh, started to bring back some of this resurgence of the copycat Christianity is a guy named Samuel Sandmill. And in the journal Biblical Literature in 1962, it's published in 1962, he has a term, parallelomania, parallelomania. I should say, yes, parallelomania. So interesting word. And in essence, what he was wanting to prove in his works is he was taking a bunch of secular scholars. And what Sandmill was attempting to do is he was finding parallels between pagan myths and Jesus. Yet here's the thing, you guys, there are none. So right off the bat, if you're having a conversation with a family member or friend, somebody who believes in copycat Christianity, first thing that I want you to understand as you're going into this conversation prepared is mythification, okay? So this is a form of mythification where they're going to say, Jesus is just copied from other Greek gods. Well, let me just say this. This doesn't disprove Christianity. Mythification doesn't disprove Christianity. It does, it's not a strong argument to not only disprove Christianity, but prove what they're saying to be true. In actual fact, it's the reverse. It actually, mythification proves Christianity to be true. J. Ed Komoswowski, if I'm saying his last name right, I apologize, Ed. He writes, quote, the Christian message did not plagiarize the writings of pagan religions. There is no substantiated connection between belief in the virgin birth and resurrection of Christ with cults of Osiris, Dionysus and Mithra. Alleged parallels between early religions and Christianity are not uh, sustainable when the evidence is fairly examined, end quote. So I'm going to show you guys and play for you a video. And you're going to hear after the narrator, this is on National Geographic, one of the authors of the two books that I mentioned, Tim Freck. So let me, let me just pull this up real quick and show you guys this, this video. At the heart of these cults were mysterious sun gods, half God, half man-like figures. Stories about them were written in hieroglyphs on the walls of the Pharaoh's temples. 
And at the center of the mystery cults was a myth. And the myth is about a dying and resurrecting God-man or son of God. And if you look at the story, you see that this God-man is born of a virgin and God, sometimes on the 25th of December. He changes water into wine at a wedding. He performs other miracles. He has 12 disciples. He teaches a doctrine of love. He upsets the status quo, the religious authorities. He's put to death at Easter, sometimes through crucifixion. If you look at the cover of our book, there's a picture of a figure that looks like Jesus, but it's not. It's this pagan dying and resurrecting God-man. And then, of course, he comes back from the dead. And if you want to commune with the God-man, you take bread and wine, symbolizing his body and blood. But that's not Christianity. This is paganism pre-Christian. All right, so see, that's fascinating. Notice it's not Christianity, it's paganism. So this is pre-Christianity rituals. And eventually, just the, the, the founders of Christianity, they just, like a smorgasbord, right? They just took a copy, you know, they just copied and took pieces of what they wanted their divine figure, that is, i.e. Jesus Christ, to look like. Now, here's an excellent book that I highly recommend. If you've never read it, it's called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, written by my spiritual mentor, spiritual father, Dr. Norman Geiser, miss him to death. He passed away several years ago. And a good friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Frank Turek, a few years ago, Dr. Geiser and I wrote the official study guide to it. So if you are looking for an apologetic resource, it goes through 12 points why Christianity is true. And it's an excellent study guide you can use in small groups. We've literally had... Uh, hundreds upon hundreds of churches go through uh, the study through the years. And in this book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, listen to what Geisler and Turek say, quote, the first real parallel of a dying and rising God does not appear until AD 150, more than a hundred years after the origin of Christianity. So if there was any influence of one on the other, it was the influence of the historical event of the New Testament resurrection on mythology not the reverse. The only known account of a God surviving death that predates Christianity is the Egyptian cult God Osiris. In this myth, Osiris is cut into 14 pieces, scattered around Egypt, then reassembled and brought back to life by the goddess Isis. However, Osiris does not actually come back to physical life, but becomes a member of a shadowy underworld. This is far different than Jesus' resurrection account, where he was the gloriously risen prince of life who was seen by others on earth before his ascension into heaven. Even if there are myths about dying and rising gods prior to Christianity, that doesn't mean the New Testament's writers copied from them. The fictional TV show Star Trek preceded the U.S. space shuttle program, but that doesn't mean that newspaper reports of space shuttle missions are influenced by Star Trek episodes, end quote. Isn't that cool? So what in essence they're saying is, and as I was telling you before, and mythification, it doesn't disprove Christianity. So if you've been in these conversations, hopefully this is going to help kind of reinforce some things and teach you some, some tools you guys to jump back in there and not to give up. If you've never been, and you're just curious about this, well, let's break it down now. The bottom line is from what Turk and Geyser were saying, and what I'm going to show you now, is that these pagan tales 
are nothing more than anachronism. Now, anachronism literally just means a false arrangement or chronologically inconsistent. Because once I can prove, if you're in a situation with an atheist friend, with a skeptic, and they use this argument, you guys, copycat Christianity, and they go back and say, um, um, Adonis, Dionysus, Addis, Mithras, Horus, Osiris, all of these Greek figures that existed before Jesus. Now, of course, most people from the atheist perspective, you guys don't believe these figures actually existed. Now, many of them won't, de won't deny that Jesus existed as a historical figure, but they deny that he was a divine figure. Some may say, yeah, he claimed to be God, but he was crazy. He just was a zealot. He was a revolutionist. But the point is, is that the founders of Christianity or the people who begin to influence or hijack Christianity in the first few hundred years after, you know, Jesus dies, of course, you know, as an atheist, there is no resurrection, obviously, because they don't believe in miracles. They're anti-supernaturalists. They'll say over time, they just took stories from these different Greek gods and they meshed it into Jesus. And hence, you know, 2000 years later, you and I believe in a fictitious character, Jesus Christ, who is the God man. But if I can disprove, if you can disprove their arrangement, if you can show that they are chronologically inconsistent, anachronism, then their whole, their whole argument falls apart. So let's start with one of them, Adonis. Adonis, the claim here, and this is, again, in all the books, like I mentioned, the Jesus Mysteries, the Laughing Jesus, the Zeitgeist, and all this other stuff. And you even hear people like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. They all use these arguments. Sam Harris. Adonis, the claim here was he was born from a virgin mother, Mora, and was crucified and rose from the dead. So Adonis right here, we have embodied the major components of Jesus Christ, supposedly. Well, let's look at the facts, shall we? The facts that we know is an actual fact. Adonis is a Greek symbol of harvest seasons. One source mentions Adonis dying by Eris, who is disguised as a boar. And so the parallel references of Adonis to Jesus don't even come until the late second century. So what we would say is that some Gnostic followers were using these things. They were the ones that were inserting things to try to counter Christianity. Let's look at another one. Dionysus, the claim born from a virgin. Here are the facts. Conceived by a mortal, Samil, the son of Zeus. No virgin birth. Jesus is not copying Dionysus. The writers of the Gospels are not copying Dionysus because there is no record of him having a virgin birth in Greek mythology. And I'll get into that more, you guys, about, you know, if we know these to be Greek mythology, but yet the Gospels, you know, apparently are supposed to be these historical accounts or narratives of Jesus, then isn't that, isn't that completely opposite? And that's true. And we'll touch on that in a minute. Look at Addis. Claim a savior who was a slain individual. Okay. He was killed. He was referred to as the divine son of the father. Here are the facts about Addis. Sources describe Addis going insane by his lover and castrates himself and bleeds out into the wilderness. 
His resurrection story doesn't appear until AD 150. So when you go back to Dionysus and Addis, what Geisler and Turk were saying earlier, these are the two stories that you don't see until over 100 plus years removed after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it was a tent from the Gnostics and many other people who were going contra, who believed that Jesus was not the Messiah. He was not the Savior. And they're trying to refute the Christians. And so they were using Greek mythology and they're trying to use back then parallelism to say, no, you guys are copied from Greek gods. Not true. Again, anachronism, it does not line up. Chronologically, it is inconsistent. Now you probably, this is the most famous one. So I'm sure you guys have heard of Mithras. The claim here is a mythological Persian deity that was buried for three days and then rose again. What were the facts of Mithras? He was born from a rock. Do you guys know that? I mean, it's ridiculous. Sometimes when you look at this, I sometimes, I don't want to, you know, laugh in front of, a, of, you know, somebody I'm debating who believes this stuff, but a lot of this is so nonsense. They look at us thinking that we believe in fairy tales. And that's why referencing Geyser and Turk's book, I love so much. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. When I look at their claims, it, it requires more faith to believe what they believe, that, that the world came out of nothing by nothing. The universe, that is. And, and on and on and on we go. It takes more faith to believe that. It takes more faith to actually believe these stories about Mithras and Horus and Osiris, to believe that Christianity copied it than what we actually see to be historically true, to be factually true. Only secondhand sources, this is the truth about Mithras, we only have secondhand sources with three versions, three, three versions and little proof to back anything up. What does that tell you guys? You don't hear this in universities. When I was getting my degree years back and doing philosophy, I had these type of debates. And nobody would tell you, well, we have multiple versions of Mithras. They would just say, hey, this is this mythological uh, figure from Persia and Jesus you know, figure is copied from him. Not true. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Let's look at the last two. Horus, another known, well-known figure in Greek mythology. The claim is referred to as the son of God, the sun God of Egypt. This is where we get born on December 25th and also a virgin and also crucified. Here are the facts of Horus. He was born from Isis and Osiris, a mythological figure based on the cycles of nature, just like we were talking about, remember Adonis. So a mythological figure based on the cycles of nature, not on historical facts. And the other thing that's important to mention is December 25th is not an actual date for Jesus's birth. No, this was not until later in the Catholic church that they began to celebrate Jesus's birth on December 25th. But the early church, you guys, and nowhere in the gospels does it say that it's a copycat because we're taking from Horace's birth, birth date on December 25th. So that's debunked. 
The last one is Osiris, as I just mentioned. The claim was buried for three days. The facts, some accounts say Osiris was laid in the Nile and brought back to life by Isis, and he eventually became god of the underworld. That's the world of the dead. However, you guys, important fact here, you're not going to hear from the secularists. There's no mentioning in the story of Osiris of a three-day burial and resurrection. None. This is stuff that they insert, you guys, to make it sound like Christianity is a copycat religion. So in conclusion, as we look at the actual facts of these things, and you're having a conversation and you're saying, okay, mythification, parallelism, they're going to try to use this, and I'm going to debunk it because if I can prove that their chronology is inconsistent, now this is what you want to do, is you want to present fallacies to their argument. Now, what's a fallacy? A fallacy, simply put, is a belief that is founded on unsound arguments. So as I just showed you with anachronism, there is an inconsistency within their chronology. So their arrangement actually does not fit the way they say it does. So that debunks their argument. It doesn't disprove Christianity. Matter of fact, it disproves their argument. Now what I want to show you guys are, are when it comes to fallacies, there are unsound arguments that they're using to try to prove this into evidence or try to present this into evidence to disprove Christianity. The first one and again, this may sound a little strange, but let me just clarify, I'll bring some clarity in a minute. Composite fallacy. And what does that mean? Guys, this is important. So please hear me out. It's the supposed unified religion. Okay. There's the, the there's there's this unified religion that's that's misguided and mistreated in the gospel records. Okay. So in essence, what th this is a fallacy is that Christianity which is misguided, okay? Um, copies from all these other, as, as I pointed out, Greek mythologies, therefore it's false. But the thing that we have to understand is the people who believe that to be true, as we just prove them wrong with their chronology, they're mistreating the gospels. They're not holding them. That's why it's a composite fallacy. It's an unsound argument because they're discrediting the gospels as fictitious writings, and they're not holding them to be a cooperative, uh, a network of cooperative eyewitnesses that has early dates that are accurate, full with details, right? And surprises and embarrassments. And you see the circulation of it that was holding true to other eyewitnesses. Well, they don't want you to believe that. However, there was no pre-Christian doctrine of rebirth for the early writers of Christianity to borrow. So again, that's a composite fallacy. They have to insert things. They have to make assertions, which is unfounded. That's a fallacy. The other one is a terminological one. So when it comes to terminology, what they try to do is they try to take, again, like remember parallelism with events. Okay. Oh, you know, we see that um, Osiris was born on December 25th. And then you celebrate Christmas on December 25th. And you say that Jesus was born on December 25th. Therefore, Christianity is a copycat religion, which again is unfounded. Another one is terminology. Then when they use virgin, when they use son of man, son of God, they try to link Christian terminology into paganistic beliefs. 
in order to show parallelism. You guys, that's a fallacy because just because my desk here is made out of wood and I look over at another table that's separate, that's a round table, also made out of wood, does not mean it's the same thing. They may have similar, you know, parts and elements to them, but they're not one in the same. They're two separate things made of some of the same elements. And if you, just because you have some similarity to something does not mean that one copies from the other. So that's a, that's a fallacy when, when it comes to terminology. And the third and final fallacy is dependency, dependency. And the dependency fallacy is this, to say Christianity is dependent, okay, meaning it, its existence is on Hellenistic or paganistic mysteries of religion. So if you take out Hellenistic or paganistic or Greek mythology, you have no Christianity. That is a fallacy because it's assuming that to be true when we just prove that it's false. See, so guys, these faulty parallels, when your friend says that Christianity or Jesus figure is, is a copy of Greek mythology, these are faulty parallels who fail to realize the strict Jewish culture at that time. Because they would never have disregarded their monotheism in exchange for syncretism. And so that's an insult, you guys, on so many levels of the Jewish culture. These were Jewish men and women who became followers of Jesus Christ. And to abandon their monotheism for, for syncretism is just not what happened at all. And so what now what they're having to do is they're having to alter that. They're having to misrepresent the early Christian followers who were Jewish in order to make their case. To go from Judaism to paganism did not occur. Now, were there some you know, people on the fringe? Of course, some people who did that to, to some degree, but not the case when it comes to the early Christianity. Jesus, who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah, came to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to eliminate it or exchange it for something entirely different, but based on the copycat Christian um, supporters and advocators, that's what they're trying to convey to us. And it's absolutely false. There is no archaeological evidence to support that pagan Hellenistic religions heavily influenced the Jews in the first century Palestine. So that's what you guys could do to refute them in addition to showing the anachronism, showing how mythification does not prove Christianity to be a copycat religion. Quite the contrary. So you can show these fallacies to people. You can be consistent, you guys, and be confident to say that's a composite fallacy. You can't take the supposed unified religion um, and, and it's just misguided or copied from Hellenistic or paganistic religions and you're completely tossing out the gospels. I'm, you, you can't let people do that. A lot of times I see Christians do that. I even see that sometimes in debates. The other thing when it comes to terminological fallacy, just because there may be some similarity and like we saw later in 80, 50, 150 and beyond, some, some add-ons with Gnostic writers to try to show parallelism or to sh show the same terminology does not mean Christianity to be a copycat religion. And also the dependency fallacy. You can't say without the pagan rituals, without the pagan stories, without Greek mythology, there would be no Jesus Christ. Therefore, there'd be no Christianity. Those are all fallacies and it's okay for you. And I'm encouraging you guys listening to point those out to people who make these false claims. There's no archaeological evidence. 
I say this again, no archaeological evidence to support that pagan Hellenistic religions ever influenced Jews in the first century, and therefore they wrote the Gospels, and it's all made up. Nor do we see anything in the Pauline epistles, as well as his counterparts, of Greek philosophy as a source of their thoughts or beliefs. Now, did Paul know Greek philosophy? Absolutely. But was he influenced by Greek philosophy to derive this, what we refer to today as a Christian religion? None. The apostles, John and Paul, they differentiated you guys between their theological beliefs from Gnosticism and Greek mythology. That's, in, that's what we actually see. There are times in the book of Acts. There are times in Colossians. There are times when we see the writers in the New Testament outside the Gospels who are refuting John in particular, the Apostle John, writing in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He's refuting Gnosticism. There are times when Paul quotes from Cretans, from Greeks. Not to say that it's true or because they believe this, we believe it as well as Christians. It's unsubstantiated. And as we close out, I want to tell you about a great book by Dr. Bruce Metzger. It's known as, it's called the Historical and Literary Studies. And he evaluates, you guys, the ancient pagan mysteries that came and went. And he shows in his book, the Historical and Literary Studies, that the credibility, the foundational principles and beliefs and stories that we have Christianity, again, is not connected to pagan mysteries. This is what he writes, quote, a great deal of rubbish and pseudo learning was swept aside and it became possible to discuss intelligently the rites and teachings of the mysteries, end quote. Let me read that again. A great deal of rubbish and pseudo learning was swept, inside, uh, swept aside and it became possible to discuss intelligently the rites and teachings of the mysteries. In essence, what he's saying is at some point when you toss out the historical narratives of the Gospels, if you assume that Christianity could not exist and would not exist without the influences of Hellenism and paganism and Greek mythology, then once you buy into those lies and you believe in anachronism, you believe in Osiris and uh, Adonis and Dionysus and Mithras, etc., that there are all images of what we now see in Christ, then it's easy for you to feed these mysteries further and have this published, quote unquote, scholarly work. And I'm just encouraging you guys to not let people get away with such disregard and disrespect to Christianity. You and I know we wouldn't tolerate somebody putting down one of our loved ones. And I'm not saying that, you know, we are to get up in people's faces. When I wrote Challenging Conversations, the whole, whole purpose of it was not to be an aggressor and not to be an, an, an avoider as well, but to be an advocate of God's truth who stands in the gap for people who disbelieve, but also to come alongside Christians and say, hey, you know, let's stand up for the truth and let's do it in love. And so when it comes to some of these intellectual conversations, you guys, we need to stand tall and stand in the midst of these attacks and not let these people get away with such sloppy 
uh, scholastic, you know, supposedly scholastic work. Last thing I want to share with you guys from the Oxford University historian, Robin Lane Fox, who asserts that nearly all the supposed parallels between pagan practices and Christianity are spurious. Fox challenges the thesis that Christianity was, quote, not so very novel in the pagan world. His research led him to conclude that there is, in Leon McKenzie's words, only a, quote, marginal and weak connection between paganism and Christianity. You guys, when we actually take time to investigate what the atheists and the skeptics are telling us to be true, you find no shred of evidence to support their claims. And I will say this as I close. We cannot let people who are not Christians tell us what we believe. Would you go into someone's random house and tell them how to live their life, how to rearrange their furniture, what to buy to stuff in their fridge and their pantry, food pantry? No, we don't tell other people how to have a marriage. We don't interfere in people's privacy, nor should we do that when it comes to the Christian faith. Now, I'm not saying because of that, using that analogy, that Christianity is a privatized religion. Quite the contrary. But I'm using it as an example to say, if we don't do that, or we don't allow people to do that in our lives, to come into our house and tell us how to run our home, you know, to love my wife and, and, and how to parent my children, why do we then allow the world to tell us what we actually should believe about Christianity? So I hope this has encouraged you guys as we continue to have challenging conversations in the life in, in the life that you and I are living in this cancel culture, because you and I have a lot of Christians who are struggling to communicate these truths to people who are skeptics and atheists. So I hope this has helped you to jump into these conversations and not to back down. As always, you guys can check out the Edify app. You can go to edify.app and download that. I'm so thankful for the work that many of you guys are doing as I'm praying for the gospel to continue to spread through your life and your family and your local church. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends.